0: and you haven't been here before, you should just know, I love it when they get loud. I just engage it. I have fun with it. I'm going to invite them to come and be loud in the middle of the sermon. So Don't feel like you got to shush everybody, okay? We're all going to be okay here. And I'm actually, I actually want to ask them a question. Might reply to some of you guys too. There's one thing that can get my son more excited than Christmas or Easter. If you've talked to him before, well, first of all, congratulations because he's... Um, it might take a minute to talk to you, but he's definitely going to talk to you about Disneyland. Anybody else love Disneyland? Is there anybody over there who loves Disneyland? Yes, you do. What is the best thing about Disneyland? Anybody? Oh, that is a great question. Okay, good. Space Mountain's best. Thunder Mountain. Mountain. Mhm. Mhm. Didn't take didn't take long. I love Disneyland. Larry and I went there for the first time 5 years ago. And we went a bit skeptical. I like to think that we're anti-consumeristic. I like to think I'm not manipulated easily by marketing techniques. And when we first got, um, like we're going toward Disney, I was totally justified in my skepticism because that security line was real long. And I was like, see, not the happiest place on earth. (laughs) And then you walk in the gates and then it's like music and characters and bubbles and flowers and you're just like totally taken up in it okay and it, I mean it's just really pretty awesome that's just the way I, I just didn't believe I didn't believe everyone who loves it so um, and maybe you've come this morning feeling a little skeptical not one to be easily taken in But you're willing to be here this morning. Thank you very much for that. I don't want to manipulate you by music and flowers. I'm not going to pretend that church is the happiest place on earth. And yet, I want to hold out a real hope for you, a real tangible hope for you. That um, if it's true that this man Jesus really rose from the dead, then everything that he said is true. And will lead us to what is truly the happiest, the happiest we could ever be. So I, I understand that there's there's at least two kinds of people listening. There's the people who are listening who are like, good luck, preacher lady, with your hope. Maybe you wouldn't be that snarky to me, but I I felt like that about Disney. Um and what what I hope is that you would just be willing to hear what hope we're holding on to that makes us this crazy. <laughs> and maybe some of you like your Disney season ticket holders, you just get ecstatic about the whole thing all over again. I am sure that there are some of you who are listening who are like, give me that hope again. I know what's coming and I'm so excited. We're all in this together listening to this Easter story, which is a story of disappointed friends who have lost their hope, who have come and leave grabbing hold of hope once again. So let me read you the whole, the, the chunk of that Easter story, we just reflected on um, a bit of it from Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that Sunday morning, that's why we celebrate Easter now, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, "'Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, and then go quickly.'" And tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let me pray. God, this is your word, and we are grateful for it. Would you help us to grab hold of your hope today? in Jesus name? Amen. So whether you're shaking your head at me or you're just like, go. <laughs> um, I, I really am ho- I'm holding out a hope um, for you to grab hold of today. What I'm holding out for you is not hope that's wishful thinking. That's a, that's a worldly hope. Uh, That's a hope that's on the home good sign. Um, That is, that's not what I'm holding out for you. Hope that, um, the way that followers of Jesus talk about hope is, hope is the faith, is the certainty of what you hope for. It's real. It's tangible. You can grab hold of it. And those who follow Jesus had a lot of things that they were holding on to that they'd really held and seen, to hold out tremendous hope. Um, the, <laughs> the need that we have for hope today is just astonishing. Um, the it, is, it is quite possible that global warming is a thing and is terrible. I mean, there was snow in Olalla yesterday. <laughs> Can we just like have a moment for that, right? Uh, there is real and tangible reasons to need hope. Your job might really stink Uh, Life in Kitsap County, Pierce County, might have become radically unaffordable recently. I don't know. Um, Maybe you're in a particularly lonely season. There's a reason to need hope and to grab hold of it. The women who've come to the tomb, they really need hope. Their life got completely turned upside down in the last three days. They had hoped for a lot of things based on reality. They had seen Jesus heal a lot of people. And so they were holding out hope that Jesus was going to be the reason that all of the world was healed and done away with with suffering. They had actually watched Jesus out teach religious teachers. So they had a good reason to believe that with Jesus, they were going to do away with the judgmental religious system that excluded so many people. They had actually seen Jesus teach and then live out the truth of this different kingdom where The blessed people, the happy people, were the ones who were empty and knocked down and poured out. And yet they really were happy, like they were seeing that. So they had tangible reason to hope and to believe that this guy would really be the king, like the actual governmental king of Israel and transform the world. So they had good tangible reason to hope. And yet Jesus has now been arrested and died and the last place they saw him was as a broken body going into a tomb. And so those hopes had been dashed. And now they'd had somewhere around like 39 hours to process how much of that hope was gone. And so what do they do as disappointed disciples with hope that's gone? Well, they go back to the last place that the trail for hope went cold The last place that they'd experienced hope and joy was in Jesus's presence. So they go back to the last place where they found him. And that place is a dirty, dark tomb. So not exactly an exciting place, a place of joy. And actually, one of the writers um, says that they went with oils that they had prepared to anoint his body. So they went with preparation for the place to be stinky and to be a place of death but they were obligated out of a once loved hope, out of a love for this Jesus to show up anyway. And so they go to the tomb. And I wonder if there's anybody here who could relate to this, who could feel like you showed up for church on Easter Not because you've got a season ticket pass. You love this thing. You can't wait to go on Space Mountain again. But um, you're just out of options and you're out of hope. But maybe once this had sparked a joy that you haven't felt in a long time, maybe you're just straight up obligated to go because it's Easter. Thank you for showing up. (laughs) I love you and bless you in that. I have nowhere else to go. And so here, the disciples of Jesus, disappointed, they show up at the tomb. And then the order of things that happens next is so weird to me. You've already read, I've already read the story to you. You know that Jesus is going to show up. I don't know how long, like five or ten minutes later. But it's weird to me that in the story of Jesus, it is so often the case that he's not the first one to show up. Instead, the first one at the tomb is the angel, the person who can say, Jesus, oh, yeah, I know him. He was here. (laughs) He's not anymore. Uh, But he's risen just like he said. Don't you remember the words that he said? And then come on in and see this place where death was and is no more. And that moment transforms them to be a people of hope once again. That pre-Jesus encounter, it was a pre-Jesus encounter. They had not seen him, and their hope is already revived. Not because of wishful thinking, but because of a new and tangible reality that they can grab hold of. Enough hope to say maybe, maybe Jesus really has raised from the dead. So to the disappointed disciple, Jesus brings a witness. And His Word, and a place where death was. For those of us who are still waiting for Jesus to show up and be real, Jesus gives us the same tangible realities to hold on to: witness, and His Word, and places where death was and is no more. I'm I'm gonna I I need to close off Disneyland because it's just such an odd thing so I want I want to get some help we're going to close off this Disneyland story and go back to hope so kids can I get you to come and help me talk about Disneyland because I don't know that all the adults know about it I don't know if they have as much hope as we do because if you could just put pause I'm gonna let you come right back to your project so just pause put down your your pencil or your crayon and come join me over here to talk about Disneyland anybody and Easter they are connected as all great things are in the world. Come on over. Okay, I saw some of your hands that you love Disneyland. Clearly, my boy, you love Disneyland. Do you guys want to stand up or you want to sit down? What do you feel like? Sit down. You want to sit down. Okay, you could dance. What do you want to do? Do we have another Disneyland fan? Are you a Disneyland yes. fan? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going to need my I'm going to need my phone. I'm not Don't, oh. Mickey or Team Minnie? Who do we got? Mickey? Mickey? Who's on Team Mickey? Who's on Team Minnie? Team Minnie? Okay, awesome. We got a little I bit of both. Like team Goofy. Oh, Team Goofy. <laughs> Way to think outside the box. High five. I like that. I like it. And Izzy's on Team Sonic. I don't think you can see Sonic at Disney. That's awesome. Okay, those of you who love Disneyland... Tell me, what is the best thing about Disneyland? Yeah. Everything. everything. Yep. I, was, I wasn't I was kidding. Yes, That's McKinley. Everything. What do you love? Kiefer. Uh, everything. What if they don't know what everything is? Can you give me something? Uh, Thunder Mountain. Thunder Mountain. The rides. the rides. Absolutely. I do not like the of the goofy ride. Yeah, Larry, Reed did not like the goofy ride at California Adventure. It's too high. That's right. Okay. I love the parades. Anybody a parade person? You like it? Okay, good. So you, my friends, you are witnesses to Disneyland. You can tell people that you love it, right? When you go to Disneyland and you want to know where to go next that's awesome, what do you look at? Uh, a, map. a map. Okay, awesome. That, um, um, uh, I don't think there's Easter eggs at Disneyland. Maybe today. I don't know. I I don't have my old paper map from Disneyland because now it's all on an app. Do you guys know this? You can visit Disneyland anytime you want. Yeah. When I show you the map of Disney, I can even tell you it's a 55 minute wait for Peter Pan. When you the service will be over and you can go ride Peter Pan. When you look at the map, how does that make you feel? Happy. You feel happy? happy. I wanna go there. I wanna now. go there right now. <laughs> I just want to jump through the screen. I love that. Okay. our um the map of Disney is here to help us remember what's there, right? I know, you know what? I want to be I want to be there too. This I couldn't take us all to Disneyland this morning, but I did bring our favorite Disneyland toy. Just if you could just pretend that we're there, I'll just I'll just bring the joy to you. We love this thing. Okay, I promise this will be up here later. For you, if you want to play with this outside, I'll, I'll bring it around. You guys can play with it, okay? Here's the deal here's the deal Easter is even more exciting than Disneyland. Could what? you believe me? I know. Because Jesus came alive on Easter, and if Jesus really did come alive on Easter, and I believe that he did, then everything that he said is true. And everything about the world is going to be healed. He's going to make sense. He's going to read to us about our lives and why stuff happened and help it make sense to us. He's going to be king on the throne and every act of injustice is going to be done away with. It's going to be awesome. And do you know what? So that you could believe and have hope in that, Jesus gave you three things at least. He gave us a witness, gave us somebody to tell us what happened. Who told you that Jesus died and rose again? Who told you that? Who in your life? Jesus. Your parents. Jesus told you directly, Izzy. I love that. I believe that. Oh, you tell it to yourself because you know the story. You repeat it. That's right. Okay, great. So you have witnesses in your life. Where did they get the story? Where did they, they get the idea that Jesus rose from the dead? The Bible. The Bible is contains the stories of Jesus and helps us to remember what he's done. It's like we can jump right back in, right? Amazing. Makes us happy. We remember. We actually feel sad sometimes too, because we want this to be we want we want to be there. We want it to be real, right? And then he gave us he gave us an empty tomb to remind us. He wants to talk to you all the time. Do you know how you can talk to God directly? How can you see him? How can you talk to him? Just yeah. Praying. praying. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Praying. That's right. So you can grab hold of hope that the world is going to work out. It's going to be okay because Jesus has given you his witness and his word and he wants to talk to you directly. Okay, thank you for coming and being up here up front with me. You can go back to your, go back to your task. Really appreciate it. And you can come back for the bubble machine later, I promise. So it is so shocking to me that, that the women did not get Jesus directly. It would have been way more expedient wouldn't have been if like Jesus had been the one sitting on the tomb. And yet it is, I don't know why, but it is so often the way of Jesus than what we are seeking hope. Before he shows up, we are given a witness and his word and place where death was and isn't anymore. He gives them the witness, the angel who says, Jesus, I know him. (laughs) He's not here. Um, He has risen. And that spark of I know him, the witnesses spark of I know him and he is risen, is an, it starts that work of tremendous hope building in them. And then I imagine the women chugging on his words. He's risen from the dead just as he said. Did he really say that he was gonna die and rise again? I thought we were having dinner parties until he was king. Did I miss something? But then as they're chugging on it, they remember, oh yeah, he did say that, he said it a lot. Beginning like six months before this, when one of his disciples begins to say, "Uh, Jesus is more than a man. I think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That in Matthew 16, Jesus says, says that from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Before Jesus had ever come, God had said, he demonstrated to them in his word that this was the way he operates in the world, that his plan of salvation is not power and seizing authority. His way of salvation is through suffering and death. We miss it because we don't like it, but it's there from the beginning. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. It, it, it happened just as he said. And all the way back to the very beginning, when the, first, the world first got messed up. God came with his promise even then, that through suffering, he would bring our salvation. Genesis 3, when he's cursing the serpent who deceived humanity, he says, I will put enmity, enmity, like I will put a fight between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. From the very opening story of Jesus saying, this is the way that God works. His path for salvation is through suffering, not in avoidance of it. And at the end of suffering, resurrection, we can cling to the word as a source of tangible hope. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. And then he invites them to come into this empty tomb, this place of death, to see Jesus? Nope, just to see nothing. Nothing just so that they could see that this place that they were expecting to be stinky and dead is actually transformed and empty because this is the way of God as well. I know that you want God, he says. I know that you're seeking Jesus. I know that you expect him to be dead. You're looking for the one who is crucified. But let me demonstrate to you that the way of God is different I know you've given up on hope. You think we're all heading to doomsday. I get it. Snow and Olala, amen, right? But come and see, that's not his way. Do not be afraid. His way is not suffering to annihilation. His way is suffering to resurrection. Do not be afraid. This has all happened just as he said. This is his way. Come and see. This is what I'm offering to you, too. I am a witness. Jesus, I know him. I know him. I was diagnosed a barren woman, and I have a baby. I was someone selfish. You would not have liked me as an 18-year-old. I'm like, Ugh. I am changed. I met Jesus and I'm not the same. I genuinely want to know you. I genuinely want to love you. I genuinely want God's best for you. That was not in me before and it is now. I am um I believe this word of God that this is his work. As it is written, he works healing, he works transformation. He works peace. Somewhere in the middle of COVID, I don't know, because it was like this black hole of a time, I, I experienced genuine peace for the first time. I remember being outside and like having a feeling. This is hard for me. My husband's becoming a counselor, and I'm like, ugh, all the feeling language. But I had a feeling, and I was like, oh, I think that's peace. Is that what that is? That what that is? Oh, that, that feels good. Oh, I like that. That is the story of God, and maybe um, you are like the women who've come and expected stinky death. You've given up on hope. You would really believe if you could actually see Jesus, and I don't know why this is, but it is so often the repeated story that the disappointed would-be follower of Jesus does not grab hold of him first, they encounter somebody else who says they know him and you go yeah right they encounter the word and go is that really is that really how it was written and then they can walk around people like me and go that that's a place where death was and isn't at least as much anymore i am being changed right and then then the dis- that would be a great moment for Jesus to show up, I think. <laughs> but he's not quite ready yet. What the women do is they, after they've processed that, then they begin to get this spark of hope, enough hope in what they are now tangibly receiving in the witness and the word in the empty tomb to run back to the disciples. They believe enough to run quickly with a hope that they haven't yet experienced. I think that is so important. They've made the move to run back in obedience to the angel who said, go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus is going ahead of them and they will see him. They act in obedience before they see Jesus. And it is in that act, in that running out of the tomb that Jesus shows up. They are already hoping, but they haven't gotten what they hope for, and they're acting obediently, moving in the way of Jesus. And then he says, this is where I am. Greetings. It is like the most banal, basic pedestrian. Hi. Like, for real? You found me. You found me when you walked out quickly in hope that that story was real. That's when I showed up, and that's when you grab hold of him, and that's when they can't help it, but they bow down and they worship him. Their friend is their God, and now they see and believe and have no choice but to fall on their face. And they want to stay there, (laughs) I think, which is why Jesus says, don't be afraid, go quickly, (laughs) and tell my brother's, Not my followers, tell my brothers that I will see them there. And then they have to wait all freaking day. I'd be so mad about that. (laughs) Jesus goes to walk with two people that we don't know their names before he comes back to Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John also have to believe on the hope of the witness and the word and the testimony of the place where death was before they get to see him face to face. Those two that he walked with, what they say, and uh, this is not here, when they, what they say when they show up to Jesus is, these women came back with a crazy story that he's risen from the dead. We had hoped. We had hoped. doesn't look true. Friends, this is still true for you. This is still what I offer you. You who come to church on Easter, disappointed, expecting stinky death. You hear someone else's story. You hear God's word. Maybe you stick around because you like cornhole. And maybe you just get a little bit of a picture of death was in that person and maybe there's not as much of it anymore. I wonder what that's about. But then there has to be this, there has to be this moment where you cling to that, where you grasp hold of that as if it were true hope and walk out, run out in obedience to the way of Jesus to say, I'm going to live that out before I even grab hold of Jesus myself. And I don't know how long that wait is. Five minutes for the women, all day for the men, a lifetime. I don't know. But when you grab hold of that hope and run in obedience. This is the way of God. This is, this is how he works. It's how he has worked. And Philippians says that at one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It might be that you have to wait till the very end to grab hold of him. But I can tell you that I have, I have known him and I have fallen at his feet in worship of him. And I believe this to be true. Jesus knew that we had would have a really hard time to keep, to keep going. Snow and Alala. We he knew, and with the pleasure of Disneyland, so much to distract us and to make us think that there is happiness outside of him. So he gave us a couple things. After this story, he'll he'll give us his spirit. He says, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm gonna give you my spirit who will be with you. Paul writes and says that. Christ in us is the hope of glory. If you want to grab hold of hope, he makes it available within you by his spirit. And even that he knew would be hard for us to grab hold of. So he gave us something even more tangible in this meal of communion. So I want to, I want us to share this meal of communion. I want our kids to join us for this. Kids, if you can wrap up what you're doing, you've got like, 30 seconds while I'm talking, because I know you might really love what you're doing. If you can finish it up, then come and join your parents, okay? So that you can be part of this with us. I love that God knows how tangible we need things. Like he knows that it is hard for us to grab hold of things. And so he gave us a ritual to remember him by, to remember the story that it is through suffering, not an avoidance of it, but through suffering that we experience communion with God, we receive his spirit within us, and we hold out the hope of him coming again. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. This is the way, this breaking. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after supper, giving thanks to God, he poured it out. And he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new way of relationship with God that was made in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it. And whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I offer to you what was given to me. It's bread and juice. I pray that it would be for you a very tangible hope that God is with you, is within you, that his spirit has come to dwell within you. If you want to grab hold of that hope and you feel like this is the first morning that you would you would even dare to believe the witness and the word and the empty tomb, then this is a great proclamation of faith to take and to receive this. If you have kids with you, um, y- it's it's up to you how your kids have received the message of Jesus. If you feel like they are kids who are grabbing hold of the hope that Jesus has died and rose again, it's up to you, who um, guardians who brought them, to uh, decide if they are ready for the bread and the juice. I We're waiting um, s- until our kid knows that for himself. We want to hear that hope for himself. So that's up to you. But I welcome you to come to the table of God. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for really understanding just how tangible we need hope. With the world as crazy as it is, Lord, there is so much that's easier to believe, to doubt, to be skeptical about. There's so many other things to find comfort in, to cope with how hard life is, Jesus, by taking your bread and your juice this morning, we confess that you are the only way. You are the only truth. You are the only life. Jesus, where else could we go? (laughs) You are the one who holds the words of eternal life. And so would you meet us in our um, ecstatic, let's do it again hope? Would you meet us in our skepticism? Would you meet us in our, we would dare to believe? Jesus, would this bread and this juice for us be your very presence with us? We so need you. We pray and we confess this in Jesus' name. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us and grant us your peace. You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.